Jeremiah chapter number 3, verse number 15. If you're there, say amen. The Bible says, I'll give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Then if you flip over to Ephesians chapter number 4, verse number 11, the Bible says, And he who God gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. So we see once in the Old Testament, once in the New Testament, that God is in this business of giving a Christian or a church member a pastor. We're looking at this thought tonight of a Christian and their relationship with their pastor. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for this evening. Well, we're thankful tonight, Lord, that we can have faith because you're faithful. And Lord, you'll never let us down. You'll never, uh, Lord, let us run dry. Lord, you'll never, uh, Lord, leave us or forsake us. Lord, you're always there when we need you. We thank you for that tonight, Lord. What a blessing it is, Lord, to have a faithful God. What a blessing it is to know that when I cry, you hear. What a blessing it is to know that when I study, God, you show and you teach. And we ask you, Lord, this evening, God, that you just help us from the word of God tonight. Lord, help strengthen the relationship, uh, God, that you've given us here at our church. We thank you for the unity that you've given us. Lord, I enjoy coming to church, Lord, and just enjoy being around our church family. And Lord, I thank you for, Lord, giving us to them and, and giving me to them, Lord, and what a blessing it's been. We ask you, Lord, this evening, God, that you just move in a mighty way. God, help us tonight in the, in the areas that we need help tonight. We'll give you the glory. We'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I remember there was a question one time that I could not answer, and I, I could not give a, a direct answer when it was asked to me. It was when I was working in the cabinet shop, and uh, I had told them that I was leaving in December to come here full time, and that was the plan. And somebody asked me this question. They said, how does one become a pastor? How does one become a pastor? And they asked me, they said, well, do you like, you know, type out your resume, and do you put it online at one of those church pastoring uh, hiring sites. And to be honest with you, I didn't think those things existed, but they do, right? You can go online and you can type up your credentials as a, a, a potential pastor and put it online and, 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 and hope for the best. You know, it's like a, the Indeed or, or, or was it Monsters, uh, Jobs, whatever search were, but it was for, strictly for pastors. And there's some that probably become a pastor that way. Right, the, they put their own online and, and a church calls them and they do all the steps and they become the pastor of the church. Now, is that how every person becomes a pastor? Well, I'd say no to that. So I don't think that's the, the only answer there. And do you, well, preacher, do you, do you work yourself into certain circles and certain fellowships and get to know certain people? Then you wait for your turn, you wait for your opportunity, you wait for somebody to call you that they, they hear of a church here or a church there and you go and fill in and then you become the pastor. Well, there's some that have become pastor that way but I wouldn't necessarily say that's the only way. Well, do you just wait for the current pastor to leave or die and then you just take over? Is that how you become a pastor? Well, some have. In my case, that's how I became the pastor here. The pastor that was here, Brother Michael Rochester, moved to pastor another church and then I was able to come in and pastor. The Lord lined it up that way. But not everybody becomes a pastor that way. And so in essence, I don't think there is a, 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 a clear, uh, this is the only way somebody will ever become a pastor. But here's what I do believe tonight, that in God's design and in God's plan tonight, it is of God's desire tonight for God to give a man to a church and a church to a man. We see right here in Jeremiah chapter three, verse 15, I will give you pastors according to my heart which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. 
And when we begin to realize that pastoring is more than just a job application, more than just a, a certain thing you do, and when you understand why God has given you and I a pastor and God has allowed you to sit underneath the, the preaching and the teaching of a pastor, you understand tonight that that relationship is, a, is an essential one in the Christian life. It is one that is needed by every Christian. I'm not saying that not for job security. I'm saying that on the authority of God tonight. I believe that God desires for every Christian to have a pastor. And every Christian to have a church to worship in, to come together, to separate from the world, and to worship the Lord. But we'll see here tonight quickly as we work through the book of Jeremiah and eventually into Ephesians and a little bit into Titus and Timothy. Uh, tonight we're, we're teaching on the, these subjects of the relationship, right? Now, listen, this did not come out of a heart of, I think you have a bad relationship with me. But at the same time, I think it needs to be taught on because we've got to preach the whole counsel of the word of God. We've got to teach these things and, 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 and to teach these because one day, listen, I, I, I am a, I try to be, what's the word? I, I, I try to be, I don't even know what I'm talking about, what I, what I try to be. I try not to pass optimist. I try to be an optimist and, and hope for the best in every situation and want the best in every situation. But I'm also a realist in the sense that I know that everybody that's here tonight may not be here six weeks from now or a year from now. There's been people since I've been pastor who through different circumstances and through different uh, decisions in life and different things in life, they've had to move away. They've had to go uh, to somewhere else for employment. They've had to move away to better take care of their family. And so tonight, it's not just for us tonight and not just for here tonight, but in the case that you have to leave, you have to go, I want you to be able to find a church that has a good pastor. I want you to be able to find a church that has a pastor that not is just a good preacher, but is truly a man of God, a man that God has placed there and given to that church. And I think tonight as we get through here, we'll, we'll have a better understanding because when you realize that the pastor is not who everybody else makes him out to be, but rather he is somebody that God has given you to, to, to uh, uh, add to and to help your Christian life, It'll change the view and your, your understanding of the pastor that God's given you. I count it the highest privilege and the highest honor to be the pastor of South Haven Baptist Church. And to be honest with you, I'm not looking to go anywhere else. To be really honest, I don't want to go anywhere else. I love where God has placed me. God placed me here long before I was the pastor of the church. This is where my heart is. This is where my, my desire is. I, and I, this is me just uh, being open with you tonight. I would love for 20 to 30 years from now, listen, if I got the same genes that my grandparents have, I'm going to be here a while. I've got one grandfather in his 90s. I've got the other grandfather pushing 90. I've got a grandmother who's right up there with them. And so if, I, if I've got, the, and they're all still lively and able to get out and, and be around, and if that's the case tonight, Lord, uh, Terry's is coming and allows that to be the case. I'm going to be here a while. Right, there was a long while, I mean, we're talking 60 years from now. That's the joy of being a young man, amen? You can look and say, well, that's the case, that's 60 years. That, that, that's mind-boggling to me to think it like that. But my desire is one day to watch my kids not just grow up here, but God allow us to continue to serve the Lord as a family. And that's my heart's desire. Now, that, I, don't want, I don't want them to think that's what they have to do, but that's what, Lord, if you could do that, would be wonderful. But we see here tonight that the pastor of a church is somebody who is given by God to the church. And so if we see right here in verse number three or verse number 15 of chapter number three of Jeremiah, we see the placement of a pastor. One, it's a personal thing. It's a personal thing. What, look what God said. He said, I will give you pastors. God said, I, myself, me, will give you pastors. And that's just what we can take away from that tonight is, and when you look here in Jeremiah, that word pastor means a leader, someone of authority, someone who is uh, uh, leading you in the right direction, someone you look up to. And so we see here tonight that God said, I will give you 
pastors according to my heart. So the first thing we can realize tonight is that pastoring or the position of a pastor is not a man-made idea. In essence, it's not some men sat together and said, you know what, we need a pastor. Israel tried that one time, right? They, they looked around at the kingdoms around them, the, 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 the different countries around them who were ruled and reigned by kings, and they came to God and said, God, we need a king. And God said, you have one. It was him. What better king can we have tonight than the Lord himself? And yet they said, no, we need a man. We need a man that we can follow, a man that we can look up to, a man that will lead us. And we know how that turned out for Israel. Matter of fact, before they even went any further, God said, if that's the case, here's what he's going to do. He's going to take your land. He's going to take your families. He's going to take your wealth. All that's going to be stripped away from you. And we see that tonight, that, that when we come to this position of a pastor, this is not a man-made thing. This is an institution that is given to you and I by the Lord himself. Here's the thing. Pastors, as a pastor, I'm not given to rule over you. And that's just God didn't place me here to tell you and make you live your life a certain way. In essence, it's not my job to rule over you or lord over your life. Can I say tonight, uh, now the pastor ought to have a, 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 a place of respect in your life and a place of authority in your life. This, but you've got to realize this evening, my words do not supersede the word of God. In essence, here's the thing, I'm just a man. I can get sideways, I can get crisscrossed, I can get confused, and I can get way out in left field if I, if I trust my own ability. So you've got to realize that my words do not supersede the word of God, nor should my voice be more important to you than the voice of the Holy Spirit. I'm not your Holy Spirit tonight. I'm not going to show up at your house and look in your refrigerator I'm not going to go search the history on your computer. I'm not going to do those things because, listen, if the Holy Ghost can't convict you of those things, there ain't nothing I can do for you. I can't change your mind. I'll, now, here's the thing. That's the beauty of preaching tonight. Sometimes you've got to go uh, thing by thing by thing. You've got to go down the bulleted list. That's what the Holy Spirit has you to say. But sometimes the Holy Spirit will say, hey, you need to quit messing around with what you're messing around with. And the Holy Spirit says, yeah, he's right. And he deals with you on that personal level. My voice is not more important than the Holy Spirit's voice in your life. My words do not carry more authority than the word of God tonight. Yet it was God's plan. He instituted, he initiated it for the pastors to be given here in Israel. We'll see even in the New Testament, there's, a, there's that second giving in Ephesians that we'll look at later on. But every member of a church needs to have a pastor. One of the reasons why I believe the Lord put on my heart the pastor here is because he reminded me of how churches without pastors don't last very long. Churches without pastors don't grow, and they, they're not, it's not how God designed it to be ran tonight. Now, we're living in a culture, and, and listen, I understand uh, that not every uh, independent fundamental Baptist church has done right and is doing right tonight, but there's some that have gone away from the biblical example and precedent of a pastor pastoring a church, and they, they've changed it just to a board or a committee tonight. I don't think that's how God designed it. I believe God designed it for a man to pastor the church, but not just any pastor tonight. Here's what I want for South Haven Baptist Church. I want to have the God-given pastor here. And I believe that's what Jeremiah was saying here and he, he was speaking to the nation of Israel. He said that God said, I will give you a pastor. And here's the thing, if it is given from God or God places that pastor in your life, right? 
does James tell us about the gifts of God, that which God gives to us? James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And coming down from the Father of lies, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And he said, well, preacher, what is a gift? Something that is given. Right? And so tonight, tonight when, when, we, when you have the right pastor with the right people, it is God giving a man to the people and then God giving the people to the man, so to speak. And so we see here the placement. It's a personal thing. God said, I will give you pastors. But notice here, it's also a powerful thing. He said, according to my heart. Let me ask you now, how do you and I express our greatest emotions or intentions? Right? Now, in our Bible, it would say things like this from my bowels. Right? That's not how we talk nowadays. Right? You say, I live with all my bowels. I'm going to be confused. <laughs> what do you mean by that? But we, tonight, we say around this, I, I, we bring in or we bring up our heart, right? I mean, yesterday was rivalry week in college football. And finally, Nebraska finally won a ball game. Right? We ran Iowa season and I was excited about it. Then I prayed for, I repented of being excited that I, we ruined somebody's season. But they probably deserved it, amen? But here's the thing, when somebody's out there playing hard and they're giving it everything they got, we'll say that they're out there playing with heart. They're playing with more than just skill and talent. They're out there playing with heart. When you think about love, affection, we say things like this, I love you with all my heart. Now, Miss Caitlin, Brother Jacob, let's say we get down to the wedding day. We're getting down to the vows, and Brother Jacob looks at you, Miss Caitlin. She's already turning red. And she, he looks at you and says, Caitlin, I love you with half my heart. You're going to say, hold on a second. That's not what I'm signing up for. <laughs> and then Miss Caitlin said it to Jacob, he said, I'll take what I can get. <laughs> But notice here tonight, we say, I love you with all, all that I am, all that I possess, all that was within me. That's how much I love you. But even sometimes in disappointment and discouragement, we say things like this. Listen, you really let me down. You disappoint. You hurt my heart. My heart hurts. My heart is broken. Right? That means it's beyond just a physical pain. It's something deep and more emotional. Here's what we mean. With all that I am, with all that I have, with all my effort, with all my heart. Here's what God says in Jeremiah 3.15. I will give you pastors according to mine heart. According to my heart. It's a powerful thing. It's tied directly to the very heart of God. The same heart that drew up salvation's plan. The same heart that decided, decided to reveal himself to man through his word. The same heart that David wanted to pursue. The same heart that wanted to give you a pastor. Is, it's important to understand. It makes a Here's the thing. When God is in the business and you allow God to give the, the church the right man and the, the church gets the right man, not only is it a, a blessing to the pastor, but it's also a blessing to the church. It makes the pastor a blessing to the people and it makes the people a blessing to the pastor. It's a personal thing. God said, I... It's a powerful thing. He said, according to my heart. But it's also a productive thing. Well, why does God give pastors which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding? <laughs> feed you with knowledge and understanding. Now tonight, my heart's desire every time I stand behind the pulpit is to preach the word of God. 
right? And not just to, to say and not just to necessarily read the word of God, but through the preaching of God's word to feed you, to help you, to help you get, gain knowledge and understanding in the Christian life tonight. But I may also add in there tonight that I'm not the only one. You, I shouldn't be the only one feeding you. You ought to learn how to feed yourself too. Let me ask you this tonight. You ever took a kid out somewhere, out to eat, and you paid an outrageous price for them to eat? And they looked at it and said, I don't want that. <laughs> right, that changes the whole mood of the evening. Preacher, how do I solve that? How do I get my kids to appreciate what they're eating? Make them cook it for themselves. And I'm not talking about give them a microwave meal and tell them to put it in the microwave. I'm talking from scratch. Make them peel the potatoes. Make them cook the meat. Make them go through the whole process because when they understand the effort that goes into it, they'll learn to appreciate that. But let me ask you this tonight. Have you ever, you ever ate out so much that you forgot how to cook? Physically, that will never happen to us, right? We, we'll never forget how to cook because we get hungry at the house. Well, the same thing is true in our Christian life. If the only time you eat or feast in the word of God is when you come to church, you're starving yourself. Right? So you've got to learn how to eat. But as a pastor, why does God give pastors to feed the flock? To feed the, the sheep that are before him. With what knowledge? That means to inform. See, it's twofold tonight. It's knowledge. It's not knowledge or understanding. It's not knowledge but understanding. It's knowledge and understanding. Knowledge is the information side of it, the, the informative side of it. The, here's the historical accuracy and the historical account, and here's the context of the scripture. That's informative, but then at the same time, there's understanding. That's the application of it. How, what do I do with this information? So we realize tonight that, that the, the pastor of a church tonight is placed there or should be placed there by God. Do you realize tonight that God was willing to give you a pastor before you even knew you were going to need one? And so we see here tonight that the, 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 the relationship of a pastor, a Christian and their pastor is one, they got to realize that God has placed them here if they're the true man of God. But notice number two, there is a such thing as a problematic pastor. See, Jeremiah chapter three, verse number 15, it's wonderful. God's given pastors but I encourage you to go read the rest of Jeremiah. And there's a lot that changes about those pastors. I have a hanky. I have no idea what I did with it. There it is. It's a problematic pastor. Flip over just a couple chapters to chapter number 10. Chapter number 10 tonight of Jeremiah. And some things we have to get in and realize tonight that just because somebody is the pastor of a church or they have the title of pastor doesn't mean they're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that they're even going to be genuine, honest, kind, or humble. Why? Because there's this thing called sin, right? And I wish tonight I could say that it doesn't creep into church, that there's not fake pastors, there's not men who call themselves a pastor, but they're anything but that. But tonight, we're going to see here in Jeremiah chapter 10, verse number, chapter number three, he's giving pastors. Look at chapter 10, verse number 21. The Bible says, for the pastors are become brutish and have not sought the Lord, therefore they shall not prosper and all their flocks should be scattered. And here's the thing, just because uh, God said he would give us pastors, and we've got to remember that not every pastor or every man who calls himself a pastor is given by God. A great example of that tonight in my, in, in, in my life and in in, even in our state's history and our state's current situation, I know he labels himself as a reverend. 
I know he calls himself a pastor, but I have a hard time agreeing with anything that Raphael Warnock says. It has nothing to do with the color of his skin. It has nothing to do with his political party. It has nothing to do for where he lives and where he's from. It has everything to do that what he says goes against the word of God. And so tonight, and just an example of that, I was watching one of those political ads and he came on and he said something along these lines. He said, voting is like a prayer. And when you vote, it's as if you are praying. And I sat there and it was one of those, <laughs> I could feel my flesh rearing up. And I was, you know, it's one of those that, boy, if somebody hadn't gave me that TV, the remote was fixing to go through it. Let me set the record straight. A vote is not a prayer. A vote is, a, is, a, is an act that you and I participate in through our governing body and that allows us to elect and, and vote for officials that we'd like to run our country. Here's what he said. The more of us that vote together, the more powerful it's going to be. Can I say this morning or this evening when I vote, I'm trying my best to vote right and along and according to the word of God and men with morals and right, right decisions on the, those political issues tonight. But when I pray... I'm not, I'm not praying to a senator. I'm not praying to a governmental system. I'm praying to the very God of heaven. And can I say not whether or not you pray for me does not negate the fact that I can get to heaven myself. And I can get a hold of God myself. And I can go to the throne boldly before grace tonight. And so tonight, I didn't get into all that. I'm just saying that everybody that calls themselves a pastor is the God-given pastor for where they are. And we see tonight that there's a change by verse, chapter number 10, says, for the pastors are become brutish. And that says, they didn't start off this way, but things changed, things happened, and they became this way. That word brutish means unreceptive. It means dull-hearted, often tied to being foolish or rejecting the truth. If you look that word brutish up in your King James Bible, it's often tied to the, the fool or one who knows the truth but chooses to reject it who chooses not to follow it. And so here is verse chapter number three, God is giving pastors. We get to verse chapter number 10 tonight and some of these pastors have quit following God. Some of these pastors have quit uh, receiving and being receptive to that which God is telling them to do. They've become brutish, dull-hearted, uh, unreceptive. What, what caused that? They quit seeking the Lord. And can I say, unfortunately, there are some men who, even though they are a pastor, and even though they may have started off with the right intentions and the right heart and the right desires, sooner or later, through different circumstances, but it boils down to this, sooner or later they stop seeking the Lord. And notice the damage that it causes in verse number 21. Therefore they shall not prosper, and all their flocks shall be scattered. See, a lot of the times, you, uh, and you may not know this, but sometimes when you sit around with preachers at different churches, and you sit around the table with them, maybe after a meeting, you're, you're talking with them, it can get discouraging. It can get depressing. It can get, uh, I mean, just downright, you just feel bad. Because all you hear is how terrible the church is. How bad the people are. And how, 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 how messed up everybody is tonight. Can I say there's some churches, yes, unfortunately the church wasn't on board with what God was doing. But there's some churches where the pastor wasn't on board with what God was trying to do. And so they have become brutish. 
But notice this, it goes from not just following the Lord. If you turn over to Jeremiah chapter 12, just a couple chapters over in the account of Jeremiah, of chapter 12, verse number 10, it says, many pastors have destroyed my vineyard. They have trodden my portion underfoot. They have made my pleasant portion a desolate wilderness. They went from being God-given. They quit following the Lord. They became brutish, and now they became destructive. A destroyed vineyard. Can I say tonight, pruning is a responsibility and a necessity of the husbandmen, but destruction is not the job of the husbandmen. We are not the giver and takers of life. This is the pastor. Yes, there's, there's sometimes, listen, we've had some pruning services here. We've had some pruning messages. And their messages when I'm walking to the pole and think, all right, Lord, I, th- I can't do this by myself. I need your help. And what's amazed me is what I thought everybody was going to get mad at. People walk up and say, Pastor, I needed that. I needed that. That's exactly what I needed to hear right now. Thank you, Pastor, for, for preaching the word of God and setting my heart right where it needs to be. But my heart's not to destroy the church. My heart's not to destroy your life. I'm just a husband. The vineyard's not mine. I'm just working in the same vineyard that God has placed us in. My job is to do whatever God tells me to do. Right, and to preach what God tells me to preach, what God puts on my heart to preach. But my heart is not to say, he said, but here, they become brutish. Now they've destroyed my vineyard. They've destroyed my vineyard. Let me ask you that. Would you be all right if I walked into your house and started tearing everything up? Courtney said, oh, no. <laughs> Come in there, kick your TV in, break your window, and say, well, that's what you needed. You look at me like, uh-uh. That's how some men have treated God's flock. Right, they've come in and they've destroyed what God was trying to build up and what God was trying to grow. They become destructive. But not only is there a destroyed vineyard, but notice this, there's a dismissed portion. They've trodden my portion. It says in verse number 10, they have trodden my portion under, they walked over the very blessings of God and act like it wasn't good enough. They wanted their own wants and their own desires and said, forget what God has for me. I want, I want what I want. But notice there's also a desolate place. It says right there in verse number 12, excuse me, verse number 10, they have made my pleasant portion a desolate wilderness. They took a place that was supposed to be a pleasant place and they turned it into something that's desolate. Can I say tonight that church ought to be the one place you look forward to coming to three times a week? Not because we have, just, because we have good programs, our choir sings wonderful, we got wonderful piano players and guitar players and singers, and we have all that wonderful stuff. This evening, but because it really is a pleasant place. It's one of the few places in this world where you can sit in the presence of God. And truth's being taught and being preached and and you can get help. Can I say tonight, here's the thing, if I get sideways, if I get out of the will of God and I become what what God never designed or uh, desires for me to be tonight, this place will become a desolate place. When it becomes about us or it becomes about my, my desires and my wants and not about what God has, we'll literally take a pleasant place and turn it into a, a desolate place. Can I say not every church? Just because it has church on the end of their name doesn't mean it's a place where God dwells. And God meets every church, even though it may have Baptists on it. doesn't indicate a place that God's going to dwell. And God's going to meet with his people, and God's going to take his word and teach us and help us for it. Can I say, as, as long as I live, whether it's 60 years from now or not, as long as I'm the, I want this to be a pleasant place. <laughs> It'll be a place where kids can see 
people who actually enjoy going to church and serving the Lord and worshiping God. I want it to be a place where people can come and get help. I want it to be a place where a sinner can feel welcomed and loved, but where the Holy Spirit can deal with their heart. It needs to be a pleasant place. But some became destructive, and they turned what was a pleasant place into a desolate wilderness. Who became brutish, who became destructive, the problematic pastors. And you turn over to Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah chapter number 23 tonight. We see pastors who have driven away the flock. Woe. You ever see that word in your Bible? W-O-E, you better pay attention. God's fixing to lay some groundwork. God's fixing to lay some truth out to you. And it's one of those that you better listen now. It's ain't a hope. Listen when you want to. Apply it when you want to. It needs to be done now. It said, woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, God of Israel, against the pastors that feed my people, you have scattered my flock and driven them away. And have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doings, saith the Lord. It's one thing to fight off a wolf. Right? Gladly as a pastor, I, I, I will gladly fight the wolves that Satan sends this way. I'll fight wolves that you'll probably never know about, and that's okay. I'm not trying to be a hero. I'm not trying to be a, a, a martyr in that sense. I'm not trying to get accolades. I don't want a statue out there when I die. But I just want to be the shepherd and the under-shepherd that God has called me and, and wants me to be here tonight. And so it's one thing to fight off a wolf. It's a completely different thing to force a sheep out and to push them out. Not because they're wrong. It's because they just don't agree with you. Or they don't hold the same standard or the same way you, you, you hold yourself up. Notice here tonight, so preacher, what, what does that look like? What's a warning flag? If somebody leaves, and as the pastor, I forbid you to speak to them. Don't talk to them. Don't you call them. I understand there, there is an area for gossip to happen there. But can I say those that have left this church, you're more than welcome to call. I'm not lording over your life. I'm not going to make you do or make you not do anything. But I can honestly say tonight that as I've been pastor, there's been one that, uh, that I can think of for sure left mad. It's because I wouldn't, I wouldn't bow down to truth. I, I wouldn't bow on truth. I, I wouldn't give in on truth. And there's some that, that have left and I, I simply, it was out of a heart of love and a heart to help. I said, hey, this ain't right. You need to fix this. We need to get this right. And they walked out mad. But those that have left, you can call them and ask them. I have nothing to hide. I know what I said, and I know who was there when I said it. But there's also some that have left, and they left right. And to this day, I can still enjoy fellowship with them. But notice this, we have, it's one thing to force, uh, it's one thing to fight off a wolf, it's another thing to force a sheep out. What did God say? Woe unto them. Woe unto them. Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my... Can I say tonight... Not only will you give an account for how you are pastored or how you respond to, to your pastor in that essence, but tonight I'll give an account for how I pastor you and how I lead you and how I feed you tonight. We say, well, preacher, I don't want one of those pastors. How, how do we, or how do I stay out of a church that has a pastor like that? How, how, I mean, how do we not fall into that trap? How do we not find ourselves underneath that. Well, that's why I believe Paul gave Titus and Timothy those qualifications. The book of 
Timothy this evening. Turn there, Timothy chapter number three. We'll look in Titus as well tonight. Why would God give a qualification? Because to keep you and I from this. And finding ourselves in a church like this, who have driven away the flock, talking about Jeremiah, well, how do we know, how do we avoid those kind of pastors, those kind of men? The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, this is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, I can't pronounce it, but I try to be it, amen, sober, and of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetousness, one that ruled his own house well, having his children subjected with all, that does not mean my children are going to be perfect, amen? <laughs> my children are about as perfect as your children are. But notice here in verse number five, for if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them, which are without, lest he fall into reproach in the snare of the devil. Well, why would God give us those? So we could look at a man or potentially look at a man and say, you know what, here's how some churches find their next pastor. Just give us somebody who preaches good. Give us somebody that when they get behind the pulpit, there is almost, and I don't want to, they might not be meaning to entertain, but it's almost like, watch what I can do and watch how I do this. And watch me entertain you. Watch me keep your attention. Now, I believe a man, when he preaches, he ought to preach with authority. I believe he ought to preach like he believes what he's preaching. But at the same time, if the only thing that you say, all right, I'm looking for a new pastor, and, I, and, I, I, and, and, and here's what, I'm looking for somebody who can preach good. Can I say preaching good can easily be imitated? Preacher, what do I need to look for? Look at the man's character. Look at who he is. See, I was talking with Brother Jed about this in the, after the morning service. See, a lot of men hold themselves in verse number two, and they say this right here, well, I'm the husband of one wife. I'm better than all those other men who have been divorced. Now, listen, I understand what the word of God says here tonight. I understand what, it, what it's teaching there at the same time. But here's the thing, what good am I if that's the only characteristic, the only quality, the only uh, uh, requirement that I keep <laughs> is to say, well, at least I'm not divorced, right? That doesn't make me better than nobody else. That is, that's not necessarily a sign of my character. Now, listen here tonight, you, you have all right as you're searching and looking for and sitting under somebody is to, is to study the man, study his family, study how he conducts himself. I like verse number seven. Go talk to the people I used to work with. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without. See, we like to play church, don't we? We come into church and everybody's perfect. Nobody has any problems. <laughs> How many of them fellas out in the world will tell you the truth? <laughs> they, will, they will lay it on you and let you have it. But notice here, a lot of times too, and if you turn over to... Titus chapter one, verses six, and it says a lot of the same things. It says, if any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of right or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate. And see, a lot of times we look at these and we say, all right, he is that now. In essence, he was that when we 
called him. I don't think it's a, you just have to keep these until you, begin, until you get voted in as pastor. I think as a pastor, it is my responsibility, and I'm, I'm under the authority here tonight, to maintain that while I am still the pastor. And this is, it's not, all right, I got in the door. <laughs> now I get to do what I want. Here's the thing tonight, if that is the man's heart, he's probably more than likely about 98% sure of hireling. If he's just going to say that just, just to get in, and then you continue to study him. Listen, here's the thing tonight. I'm okay with accountability. I'm okay with people holding me accountable to the word of God. Now, it's one thing to hold somebody accountable. It's a whole other thing to falsely accuse somebody. Right? You come to me and you say, well, pastor, I seen that you was downtown the other night. I seen, I seen your car down there and you was downtown on the bad side of town. I'm going to call you a liar because I knew I wasn't there. Right? But at the same time, when you're holding yourself accountable, preacher, everything all right? Preacher, everything fine? You just seem like you know, this or that or the other, and you come with a sincere heart to help. I'm okay with that. If there's something that I've struggled with, in my, I'm okay with setting up safeguards and, and, and things that help me from not going back down that direction. And if a man isn't okay with that, that ought to be a red flag. That ought to be a red flag. One of the, one of the worst, most dangerous statements that has probably been preached in the past 20 years concerning pastors is touch not mine anointed. Do my prophet no harm. And it's when it's serious issues and serious problems and serious things that need to be corrected. Don't touch me. You can't say that about me. Listen, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If what I've done is wrong, it's wrong tonight. And it needs to be dealt with. And so that's why I believe Titus, Paul gave Titus and Timothy these, these, these uh, qualifications of a pastor, not just so they could find the right man to get in, but so that he could continue to be that which God has called him to be. We see the problem, how do we deal with those? By asking and making sure that the man is holding himself accountable to those qualifications given here in Titus and Timothy. Let me ask you, what's more important to you? Having a pastor or having the right pastor? Having the pastor that God wants, desires to give to you. So we see that one, it is, it is the placement of pastor given by God. The problematic pastor, not every pastor Every man that calls himself a pastor is the God-given pastor. Well, preacher, what is the purpose of a pastor in my life? Why does God want you and I to have a pastor as a Christian? Ephesians chapter 4 tonight, and we're just about done. I printed off this tonight, and if you want to come read it after service, you're more than welcome to, but it's 10 signs of a hireling. 10 signs of a, a, a pastor, a man who claims himself to be a preacher or a pastor, but in reality, they're a hireling. Things to look for. Preacher, you ought not to pass that out. That means we can look at you. And maybe we can find some. Look, I ain't perfect tonight. I'll tell you that from, the, I know that tonight. I, I know who I live with, amen? I, I know who I look at in the mirror. I'm not perfect tonight, but my heart's desire is to be who God wants me to be. Be all that God desires me to be tonight. I don't, I don't mind because it, it holds me accountable. It holds me accountable this evening. So if you want to see that after the service, Brother M.L. Qualls put them on Facebook, I don't know how many months ago, and I thought they were pretty good. But notice here in verse, or chapter, point number three. We'll get there eventually. Ephesians chapter four, verse, why, the purpose of a pastor. Look at verse number, chapter four, verse number 11. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. The requirement to be apostles, you had to see the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if a man stands up today and says, I'm an apostle, tell him, no, you're not. <laughs> you're not an apostle. Some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Verse number 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. We see here, people ask me, what does a pastor do? Well, it all depends on the day, the week, the time of the year. 
I, was, I think I told Brother Kim last night, I said, I, we looked at our calendar, we have something every single day. Uh, so either something here at the church or something the church is doing or something along those lines, some family uh, events. Like that. We have something every single day for like the next three weeks or next two weeks. And it's like, it's busy, right? But it's not bad, but it is busy. But really, as a, as a pastor, a full-time pastor uh, this evening, it all depends on what's going on. I try to live by a schedule. I try to have a schedule. And a lot of times, my life is filled often trying to figure out how to fit something else into my schedule and changing my schedule around. And here's the thing. If, if you're ever going to pastor men, you've got to learn to adapt. You've got to learn to adapt and understand that because needs change and, and different things like that. But what is the purpose? Of, what, what does a pastor do? Well, in Ephesians 12, we see the purpose of a pastor. Why has God given you a pastor at South Haven Baptist Church? Well, first of all, for the perfecting of the saints. The perfecting of the saints, <laughs> y'all pray for me, I gotta make y'all perfect. <laughs> That's not what that means. I mean, if that was the case, I'd just quit. <laughs> I'd go back to building cabinets, but I can't even make them perfect either. <laughs> you ever felt dumb? <laughs> I, remember go- <laughs> I remember going to my boss one time, and I couldn't figure out why this thing was out of square. And I said, I said Bob, I don't know why this, this window, pass-through window for a bank is out of square. I don't know why it's out of square, Bob. I don't know what I did wrong. Well, he said, let me call the guys and see if they, they can make it work. And so he calls him. I'm standing in the office. He said, hey, guys, this is Bob. Uh, I got Tate in my office. And uh, he says he has no idea what he did wrong, but this thing's out of square. Do you guys think you can still use it? I don't know what he did. It's just out of square. I was like, you know what? I'm never saying anything again. <laughs> I'm just going to go send it off and tell them to figure it out. I felt so dumb. But that word perfecting means to mature, to grow, to help grow. Here's the thing. Numerical growth in a church, I believe, is a direct result of the Great Commission. Sharing the gospel with people, uh, watching God save them and them coming into the church. Spiritual growth is a result of a pastor being obedient to God. To being obedient to what God has commanded and, and instructed me to do as a pastor. What? Perfecting saints to preach and to teach the word of God. Maybe he said, I'll give you pastors for knowledge and understanding. So as a pastor, one of my responsibilities is to help you grow as a Christian. I can't make you grow. I can't grab your heart and fill it with the word of God. I, I said it this morning, I, or maybe this evening. When people come here and they visit, all I can do is offer them a cup of tea. Right? This is South Haven Baptist Church. This is who we are. This is how we do what we do. I can offer you a cup of tea. It may not be your cup of tea, but I'll do my best to offer you a cup of tea. And the same is true as, as a pastor. I can't make you grow. I can't physically reach in there and make you grow as a Christian. But my job is to present that which is, when applied in your life, will help you grow as a Christian. And that's my heart's desire, the perfecting of the saints. Then the work of the ministry. It says right there in verse 12, what, what is a pastor, what, why does God have for the work of the ministry? Ministry is rewarding. It definitely is. I, I enjoy ministering to people. But it's also work. <laughs> it doesn't just happen. It doesn't just, you know, I wake up and everything, oh, 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 I just woke up and there was a sermon on, on my couch. I think I'll preach that. <laughs> I just got to get shy of more toys. <laughs> what let us walk together? But notice here tonight, the, the work of the ministry, the, the, the pastor is responsible. God has given a pastor for the work of the ministry. That doesn't mean he does all the work by himself, but rather he, there is that, that, that leadership in that role. All the, here's the thing, if all the pastor had to do was preach, the only requirement would be 
He must be a good preacher. He must be a good preacher. And all those other things require work and effort. Ministry requires work and effort. You can't minister to somebody without working or putting forth effort because ministering is serving somebody, right? When's the last time you went to the restaurant? <laughs> and they looked at you and said, ah, you got to get up and make your food yourself, right? You got you to get your own, your own, you might go to McDonald's, they might do that. But notice that there's always something to do that needs to be done. My job as a pastor, it, it never stops, I mean, uh, and it's one of those, in my office, there is no clock out box. I don't have a, a, a slip that I, I put in, I clock in, I clock out. And, I, and I'm okay with it. I understand that. There's always something that needs to be done. There's physical work around the church that needs to be, I enjoy doing it. There's also spiritual work, that, that ministry that has to be done as well. And I enjoy doing that as well. And so if you have a, the God-given pastor will have no problem with working. They'll have no problem with, with ministering to the people. The perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ, the building up of the church. I'd be weary of a pastor who's, who is only concerned with tearing down and apart the body of Christ. All they've got to say is how everybody else is doing it wrong and how everybody else doesn't do it good enough. God said, I'll give you a pastor to edify the church, to build up the church. They have no compliments, just critiques. Paul dealt with this issue in the church, or no, Paul dealt with issues in the church, but Paul wasn't fed up with churches. Paul hadn't given up on the church. Matter of fact, his desire was to, to strengthen, to help in Colossians 2, 6, and 7. As ye have, therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye've been taught, abounding therein with faith. Paul said, my heart, my desire, is that the church would grow, the church would be edified. And we're not talking about a building, but we're talking about those who, who are the church, that as a pastor, a pastor's heart and desire ought to see the church grow. Not just numerically, but ought to see those that are, are sitting under his preaching and sitting under his teaching grow in their walk and grow in their faith tonight. Why? That's why God gave you a pastor. That's why God instituted the office of a bishop tonight, which is another word for pastor, to edify the body of Christ. It's the purpose of pastor perfecting the saints, the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ. Listen here tonight, there's nowhere else I'd rather, I've already said tonight, there's nowhere else I'd rather be. And, and there's, some, there's some weeks or some days where it's hard. There's some weeks where I'm just tired, I'm wore out, all that kind of stuff. But then there's those glimpses of growth where we see or we hear of somebody applying that which was preached to them and taught to them. One of the greatest that I can think of here recently that comes to my mind tonight was somebody had texted my wife. So I want to let you know I passed out my first gospel track. To, to, to a stranger. Can I say, that's a blessing to me. It's a sign of growth. Somebody said, well, you know, I've started reading my Bible here. I started doing this. Watching those, those, those papers come in throughout the year. People sitting down and reading their Bibles together as a family or to, on a personal level studying. It's a blessing to me. There's nothing else I'd rather see or hear of tonight. So let me ask you tonight, do you want a pastor who just preaches good or one who is actively pursuing the call and the instructions and the purpose that God has given them. Tonight we looked at the, our relationship with the church or a Christian with their pastor. We looked at the responsibility, the, the role of the pastor. Here's when you find out biblically what a pastor is and why God gave them, it'll open up your eyes to, to, to what your relationship is supposed to be with them. And so next week we'll, we'll deal with, well, what does that look like? How, is, how should my, my relationship with the pastor be? based on the fact that God has given him 
to our church or God has given them to me and God has allowed them to be in our life. What is that supposed to look like? We'll tackle that next week. But tonight I'm just thankful that God, long before I was ever even considered being a pastor, long before that thought ever crossed my mind, God was willing to give the church pastors.